0: This is the All Seven Days Podcast, and I'm Stan Fields, and that Trevor is Trevor Montgomery. Trevor's here, and looking all swab and devouring air all the way from Greer, South Carolina, is the one and only Pastor Bradley Cox. How are you, Mr. Bradley?
1: I'm doing great. Great to be with you guys again.
0: Just so everybody knows and all the technical difficulties that you run into, this is the third take on <laughs> just introing the podcast because we are professionals, and uh, however, we do have technical issues from time to time, but uh, Bradley, we're glad you're with us today to, uh, to straighten us out, to uh, make us better at what we're trying to do. Uh, just uh, for our listeners' sake, one more time, we'll let them know how this thing works. Uh, you ask questions as listeners, and we answer them, and sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we get it wrong, and that's why Bradley is here today to uh, get, get us fixed from what we got wrong, and to give us a deeper insight into what we've already talked about for the last few episodes. But if you want to interact with the podcast, allsevendays.com, dot com, and you can send us a question at ask at allsevendays.com com as an email. You can send us a voicemail or a text at eight six four six six zero nine four seven three. We've got the All Seven Days Hangout on Facebook. Join us there and continue the conversation. Uh, you can support us at allsevendays.com slash shop. Look for the support options there. And we have new options, allsevendays.com slash donate, if you just want to give us free money. Uh, we've actually had a few people do that. It's been great. And the reason we're asking for that money is because we are considering several things. Uh, first of all, is becoming a 501c3 organization. We ask for your prayers about that. It's what we should do going forward. We're looking at doing a daily devotional podcast and uh, several other things. And we have a new Monthly sponsor as of today, Miss Tracy Dixon. Thank you very right. much for becoming a, a monthly sponsor. We'll get those mugs to you just as quickly as possible. Uh, Bradley, what's the weather like in Greer today? Hot, hot, it's hot. hot. <laughs> it's in the nineties here today as well. Uh, and uh, but that's why we like it. That's why we live in the south, so we can. Uh, right. I have a friend who lives in uh, Colorado Springs, and they have uh, a, there's a huge snow out there. <laughs> they're, yeah, act, I saw that. they're actually making snow cream and uh, it's ridiculous it's the end of may and it, i mean it's not a little snow it's a lot of snow Jeez. so uh, wow. better than better them than us yes. i'm glad i'm not out there right now to tell you the truth and that's always a possibility we have an office out there so uh where i work all right we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll get right into our topics with mr bradley cox from Greer, south carolina this is the all seven days podcast What happens when a theology nerd who builds guitar pedals, his pastor, and a Lutheran guy from Nebraska get together on a weekly basis? The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, that's what. The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast explores the Christian faith, practice, and worship through the lens of sola scriptura and tota scriptura, comparing and contrasting what God says to popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. You can even join in the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast lounge Facebook group, And make sure you subscribe to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast right now on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Hey, pastors and church administrators, listen to this. All 7 Days is proud to be partnered with Faith Teams. Faith Teams is a web-based church management software with all the features your church needs and price so that any church can afford it. It's packed with features including attendance tracking, kids' check in volunteer scheduling, automated guest follow-up, contributions, online giving and text to give, built-in email and text messaging tools, and a whole lot more. Best of all, it's all in one single system at a price that makes sense. They have a free 14-day trial so you can try the entire system before you pay a dime. Keep it in pages just $40 a month. That's right, $40 a month for every available feature. Go to all 7 slash faithteams to learn more and use the links provided for your free fourteen day trial. When you sign up, tell them all seven days sent you. Faith Teams, the easy and affordable church management software. This is the All Seven Days podcast. Welcome back, and uh, we're here today with uh, Pastor Bradley Cox from Greer, South Carolina, and we're going to look back over a few uh, our last uh, four episodes. And uh talk about uh those episodes again to uh, dig a little deeper into them and get some get some correction, get some more insight, get some uh get some pastoring here. Uh mm-hmm. so our first one we're going to talk about is the American experiment. Uh Bradley, this this one kinda came in uh uh well I'll tell you who it was later. But Okay <laughs> but uh it was it was talking about the the division that seems to be rampant in our country we're uh, yeah. no uh, we can't find two people that can agree enough on anything it seems like to get along and uh, it right. seems to be uh seems to be uh really volatile right now in our country but i don't I don't think this is anything new uh I think this is this has been going on for for quite a while uh if you look back at you know original uh, founding father election type time frame and the stuff that people said about each other during elections, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Uh, so yeah. I don't think it's anything new. Um, but, uh, I, I did want to ask you, uh, if, if you see any kind of, of turn in the church itself, that's being affected, uh, it's been affected greatly by politics, obviously over, over the last you know, 50, 100 years as, as things have changed, um, we, we've our churches tend to be quite americanized right we've got this american gospel that's running around and and we're we're trying to fit uh our our christianity around uh, our american dream and Mm. and and i've i've seen a shift away from that in some areas and i'm wondering if you've seen it in your church and Mm. uh more toward a christ-centered message um so I'll, yeah, I'll, throw, I'll throw that question at you first, and we'll see where we go from there.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I'd use the word shift um, as much as kind of an awakening to the fact that, you know, there, there needs to be a sort of a distinct difference in our mind that, uh, for, between the kingdom and America. Right. You know, the, the kingdom of God is not America. Uh, America is not the kingdom. Uh, There are people in America and churches in America that are a part of the kingdom, but American issues are not always kingdom issues. And being able to distinguish between those two is really, really important. And I think, you know, particularly in the South, in the Bible Belt, um, at least, you know, for the better part of my lifetime, there's been this sort of God and country mentality um, where we have a... Um, I don't know, it's, at times what I think has been an unhealthy um, meshing of our Christian life and experience and our gospel understanding with American issues, American politics, and the American dream, and I think, um, while I agree that division and strife in our country is really been a part of our history in general. I mean, you go back to the Civil War in the late 1800s, I mean, sure. you can't hardly get more divided in that, but I think what a lot of historians are saying now that's new and unique about the times we're living in now is just how tribal we've become um, around so many different issues. Uh, um, I read somebody said one t- time, if you want to you want to find a an affinity... Of state fans that like to crochet and eat sushi, you can probably find a group of people somewhere that that's their identifying mark, and and that's the state of our country right now. And, um, I think that the church, you know, when we are focused on the kingdom and the gospel, it, it there, there's a benefit to our realization that you know America's not the kingdom, You're right? You know, yeah. it, it's 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 just not, and the American dream is not the gospel. And so I think, you know, I think there is an awakening. I think there is maybe even a shift in, in some cultures. And I think, you know, I give a lot of credit to people like John Piper, who all the way back in the early part of 2000 started to really go after this and say, you know, don't chase the American dream. That's yeah. not the gospel. That's it's right. not what it's about. And so yeah I, I I'm trying to promote that shift in our church you know I, we're, we're in Romans right now and I raised a question about Romans 828 that I think speaks to this you know all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose and I asked the question does that verse when I lose my job unexpectedly mm-hmm. as a Christian, can I anchor my praying and think, thinking to that verse that God has something better for me in the future? I lost one job, that's painful, but Romans eight twenty eight says all things work together for good. So I must have a better job coming. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. Like, like you know, I think some Christians take a verse like that and they go, okay, well that must mean God's got a job that's going to be better paying for me right. in the future. It's going to have more prestige. It's going to be more personally fulfilling. Than the, the one that I lost. And that is a classic example of weaving the American dream into right. our gospel understanding. And, and if you zoom out and you go, wait a minute, the American dream's not the gospel, you actually come to a deeper, richer understanding of verses like Romans 8:28, because what Paul is saying there is that it's not just that God might have a better paying job for you than the one you lost. What Paul is saying is that the loss of the job which is painful the season of uncertainty that follows the loss of the job and the new job on the other side regardless of pay prestige or personal fulfillment that all of that is working together for a greater good right and that's really good news for the Christian um, so you know you back up to verse 18 in Romans 8 and Paul says our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us, um, and so the more we can detach from the American dream and attach to the gospel, the better, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That and that that greater good is, like you said, it's it's not to give us the better or the better job or the better pay or you know whatever whatever we think better is. That that greater good is to conform us into the likeness of Christ, exactly. and bring Him glory. That's that's the greater good that Paul. You got to remember, Paul is writing this in chains. He's in prison when he's writing <laughs> yeah. this. So yeah. uh, what is his what is his yeah. greater what is his greater good? There he's talking about. And I and I yeah. you know when you go look at Philippians one too, his greater good is
1: just thinking that.
0: Yeah, it's just going to be with Christ. That's his greater good. And and even for him
1: to say that. My imprisonment is serving to advance the gospel. Yeah, That's absolutely. what he says in Philippians
0: one. There's a greater good. I mean it's greater you know, good. So there's there's no one here in this prison that I've dealt with in this court that does hasn't heard the gospel. And it's, that was yeah. that was just I'm sure thrilling to Paul. Um, yeah. so uh, one other question we'll we'll try to handle quickly, uh, and that is how do you uh, there seems to be a breakdown in people willing to talk to each other in this or that we are right now and i th- i think you know you can you can try to blame that on social media or cell phones or whatever and I, I think there's a great deal to do with that but how is there is there any way we can foster face-to-face civil communication in this in in the world that we live in now it, how would you how would you uh, and i know i sprung this one on you so because it just came to mind but let me know what you think all
1: right. It, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, um, the only solution that I've found um, is for the Christian is when we are willing to have conversations under the authority of Scripture. Yeah. You know, if we just keep living in the world of my opinions, my, percep- my, my perspective, my perceptions, um, and, we, and, and we try to approach our views on politics, for example... Uh, from just that well I think this um, then I think it's going to be tough to have civil conversations mm-hmm. um, it, you know but the advantage that I think the body of Christ has is that we get to live under an objective authority yeah. uh, and that is the authority of scripture and you know what's interesting about that is just how in my view how apolitical the Bible tends to be yeah, you know, you you look at what Paul told Timothy. I think First Timothy chapter two. Uh, I might even have it pulled up here. He says, he says, first of all, then uh, this is First Timothy two verse one. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men, for kings and for those in authority. So this is these are the governing authorities over us. The issues that exist in our societies and those who govern over them, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. It's interesting to me that Paul, you never find him railing against the powers that be. It's basically like Timothy, just pray that they will do their job and leave us alone so we can get on with the business of the kingdom. Um, That we can live peaceful, tranquil lives as we are about the business of God's kingdom. Um, and and those kinds of statements, to me, help us have a, a you know, right thinking and a proper emotional, um, you know, uh, approach yeah. to these things that tend to divide us and cause all kinds of strife. Right.
0: And, and I, I would say probably another probably helpful thing to do is is turn off whatever news channel of choice you have. The 24-hour cycle of news is not news anymore. It's all opinion, and it's all meant to rile you up so that mm-hmm. they can drive ratings. So uh, I have found a great deal of peace by turning my news channel off. I'm not even going to mention yeah. which one it was. Just, mm. just turn it off. Uh, mm. Because, quite frankly, all of the railings that they rail about, nothing happens for, about it anyway. I mean, no, no, nothing ever gets resolved. So uh, no. anyway, all right, let's move on to uh, to the next one it was uh, It was an interview session I had with a, a small group of ladies, including my wife and uh, three of her closest friends, and they just talked about what that small group had meant to them over some time. Um, I know you guys do small groups at your church, and uh what do you what do you see as being essential in a small group what what How do you guys run those? How do you put them together and and what are your what are your rules for them
1: um well i will start with you know how we put them together I mean it's really built around those that we're identifying in our in our community of faith that are demonstrating the spiritual gifts and the leadership competency to lead groups and the desire to do that disciple others i mean that's the impetus behind our groups is not just fellowship or affinity but it's discipleship and so we we are always on the hunt for people that we sense God's gifted and called to do that. And so when we when we identify a person or a couple that we think is equipped to lead a group, um, and they have a desire to do that, we start a group and we let them begin to build that group. We help them. We have you know systems in place that you know help people get connected in groups. And so sometimes we place them. Sometimes leaders are recruiting. People into their groups that are new to our church and relationships are developing organically. Um, I do think avoiding too much programmatization of groups right. is a, is a good thing. Um, l- let them have a very organic existence in your church. Uh, let them be flexible with boundaries. I mean, there's got to be some boundaries that you you identify. These are the non-negotiables with any group and. Sure. But let, let the groups flex within those boundaries, right? Um, you know, some, some of our groups meet every week without fail almost throughout the course of the year. Other groups meet twice a month. Some of them meet three weeks a month and then take a week off. We, we, let, we let our groups, you know, we, we give them like, okay, you need to try to meet this many times a year. Uh, but within that, there's flexibility for them to flesh that out. Um, we also let them decide what they're going to study. Um, sometimes groups will just say, pick a book of the Bible and they'll just run with it. Uh, I think scripture study is essential in any group. I'm all for fellowship, I'm all for fun, I'm all for outings. But I think if, if we're not getting together and diving into God's Word, we're missing a big big, big piece of what small group ministry should be about. so I let them decide, Do you want to use a curriculum? Do you want to just pick a book of the Bible and work through it? But one of our non-negotiables is, if you use a curriculum, there must be a scriptural anchor point to that curriculum that you are fleshing out. In other words, don't just get a devotional and read that. If there are scriptures, read those scriptures. Wrestle with those texts. See if the person's commentary who wrote the curriculum is lining up with God's Word and let let the you know let the the friendships and the relationships develop around our pursuit of God through His Word, right. um, because you can you can start a group of again Florida State flan, fans that like to crochet and eat sushi, um, <laughs> and they have this affinity that has nothing to do with the kingdom or growth in Christ, and I, right. I just don't think those groups are going to last for one thing, and I don't think they're going to be healthy. Um, if if we build them around the study of Scripture, prayer, and fellowship, I think all of those things are important, and, and serving as well. I think the, our groups that have done the best, grown the most, and been the healthiest are the ones that incorporate all those things and also endeavor to find ways to serve, um, outreach, right. um, you know, serve each other, and also serve in the community. I think all that's important. Absolutely. Good stuff.
0: Um, we, at our church, we have what we call semester-based groups. So there's there's yeah. like an on-ramp and an off-ramp, uh, and mm-hmm. we we say we do that because you know sometimes you just get in a group and you just don't click, uh, mm-hmm. and that's just a personality thing. And I think that's I think that it just happens. Uh, uh, and but we also tell people you know it's like it's like trying on pants. If you try on a pair and it doesn't fit, you try on another pair. Just don't go without pants.
1: Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, and that's actually something we're trying to flesh out a little bit more um, in our group life is is giving people some on and off ramps because we've run into the same thing. You know, a really great person or couple gets into a really great group and it just doesn't mesh, right. you know, for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And so how are we going to, we don't want them to f- not be in a group. Right. So I think some on ramps and off ramps within your Core values of group life are, are good. Right. We're we're just still sort of fleshing that out. Yeah, a, a lot
0: of, a lot of times it's because a group has been together so long and they've meshed so well. It's really hard to fit someone else in there. To mm-hmm. you know, th- th- there's just not that relationship that everybody else has built. And yeah. I'm not I'm not saying take that group and break them up. But uh, at the same token, there's got to be there's got to be some some give to allow mm-hmm. new folks in um, that can fit where they can so uh something to consider there all right uh what was our next one testimony of grace this was this was a interesting question about uh looking at the story of david and Bathsheba, and the question came in it was something like uh, doesn't this show that uh if we're if we confess our sin that god can do great things with our testimony and he's, he was referring specifically to Solomon coming out of the relationship of David and Bathsheba. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Trevor and I both agreed this would not be a testimony that we, we would want in our in front of our youth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, However, however, you know God did do the Romans 8:28 thing here, right? He, he did work yeah. through it and he worked in it and he brought about good from it and continued David's kingdom as he promised he would through this craziness that David went through. And uh, uh, so um, anyway, what's your, (laughs) help us, (laughs) help us know what to do with these type of quote unquote testimonies when, when they come our way, because I mean, they, they do come. And uh, we need to be able to handle them rightly. So, um, so what are you thinking there?
1: Well, it, it, I mean, it's true. I, it, all things work together for good, and all things is all things. Right. You know. Very true. So that that all things not only includes the bad stuff that happens to me because of the world that we live in, but That also includes the bad stuff I bring on myself by my poor decisions, uh, by my sin, by my, you know, and that that sometimes, you know, that's hard for people to get their mind around. Um, You know, Piper talks about having a category in your mind for a God who will sin sinlessly. Yeah. uh, You know, demonstrated in the sin of those who hung Jesus on the cross and yet God willed that. You know that's what Acts two tells us. You know, by the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, Christ was offered up as a sacrifice, and yet right. there was the sin of Judas in that sacrifice. There was the sin of the Romans uh, soldiers that nailed him to the tree, and then there was the sin of the Pharisees who, you know, um, you know, uh, falsely accused him and and brought him before Pilate. So. There is a God who will sin for His ultimate purpose and His good. Uh, that the believing, the sons and daughters of God, benefit from even their own sin is going to work together for good. So, it, in that sense, yes, our testimonies uh, of overcoming our own personal sin by the grace of God do bring Him glory. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say you, you. I would encourage people not to get so hung up on, well, you know, man, does that should I make mistakes? I mean Paul addresses that in Romans. Yeah, you does. know, if 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 uh, if if where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, should I just keep on sinning? Well Paul says that's a ludicrous notion. Right. Because how are we how can we who have died to sin still live in it? So there is this radical change that's taking place in us. Where you know sin doesn't fit us anymore; it doesn't fit right. in our new nature, and yet we still sometimes sin, and yet God is still going to reconcile all things to Himself. Um, and that's hard for us from our finite perspective to get our minds around, but it's certainly a great hope that we have, yeah, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah i I think I think about. A couple of things there's there's Romans 8 1 there's there no for there's there, therefore now no condemnation right but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we get off scot-free I mean David had some horrible consequences from what he did mm-hmm. but yet he wasn't condemned I mean there's there's a huge difference there and God does discipline his children Mm-hmm. so Hebrews twelve right so so we 've got this balance here that we that we have to have in our minds that you know if we mess up we 've got to be able to deal with consequences however god 's still going to use our mess ups he 's not going to he 's not going to condemn us he 's not going to turn his back on us if we 're if we 're his children right um, mm-hmm. so um that that 's that 's the huge warning there is yeah it 's like you said we 're not trying to make we're not trying to make more grace out of this thing um, so no
1: but you know I think the Christian you know I would encourage people to check out a couple other passages one is romans eight twenty nine and thirty where he says you know those those whom God foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so mm-hmm. You know, also think about Isaiah 46, where God says, "I, I am the God who who declares the end from the beginning." Yeah. So that predestination, it, I think that's a big word, and there's a lot lot we could talk about there. But at the very least, what we know is that those whom God has called and justified, those who He's called to Himself and saved, there's a predetermined end for us, and that end is conformity to the image of his son. Right. And then you think about Philippians 1, where it says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So if if God has called me to himself, then here's what I know. I'm going to be conformed to the image of his son. Right. That's going to happen. And that's going to happen through, yes, studying the scriptures. It's going to happen through prayer. It's going to happen through worship. It's going to happen through Being a part of a Christian community, a small group, people pouring into my lives—my life, iron sharpening iron—but it's also going to happen through the Lord's discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, He is going to discipline me and make sure that the predetermined end is what's going to happen, right? And and that's a—that's not a license to sin, but it is a great comfort to know that you know God's going to finish what He started because He doesn't start till He's finished. Absolutely. That's true. All
0: right. Thank you for that. Uh pastors, elders and deacons. Oh my. Uh this
1: one That's a great title by the way. I love it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, anytime you can uh steal something from the Wizard of Oz, I, I think you should. Um especially since the Midget did not hang himself in the trees as people think. <laughs> that was actually a, that was actually a big bird that was back there. Um <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> sorry I don't know what, you get so much
1: when you listen to the all seven days podcast <laughs> you really so do much.
0: you really do and if you don't believe that, just go watch the video you can once you once you see once you hear the word that's a bird <laughs> back there, it actually looks like a bird. it doesn't look like whatever people said it was yeah. anyway uh so <laughs> what were we talking about pastors elders elders and deacons so uh this uh question came from uh from Robert I believe it was out on the West Coast uh and uh Robert is an elder one of three elders and his lead pastor is has stepped down and he and the other two are have taken over uh, teaching duties and we just talked about uh what what elders roles are and what they should be and what they should be able to do and uh we we gave him some kudos for him and the other two stepping up all they either look for a new pastor or look internally to, uh, to replace him. Um, so, but I know that you are going through a process now, or, or I don't, I don't know how deep you are into it or how far you've gone down the road yet of looking for elders, uh, in your church there to come alongside you and Keith, uh, to do that work there. So, uh, talk to us about how you're thinking about it, how you're trying to go about it. And, um, what, what kind of folks you're looking for and uh, how that's coming along
1: well we um, we decided to really just kind of go back to the drawing board um, and you know I, w- what, what kind of precipitated this was that we at res we had three elders um, and one of whom was kind of an emeritus um, and then he our pastor emeritus decided to fully retire and so we were down to just Keith and I And so we just decided to um, go back and just start looking through the scriptures. Okay, what is an elder? What are the qualifications? Let's just kind of go at this almost like we know nothing, even though we're already in that role. Um, And we had some help from a mentor of mine, and he's been walking us through the texts. And um, we've just been wrestling with uh, what is an elder? What is the function of an elder? What does the New Testament have to say about it? And I would say that What's really come to the forefront for us is just how, you know, in 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 America, particularly in the South, we have this sort of lead pastor mentality, or right. like we've got a pastor who's the CEO of the church, yes. and it's a little bit of a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs situation in a lot of cases, and you might have a deacon board over here somewhere that provides some sort of check and balance, but... The more I look at the New Testament, and I would welcome anybody to challenge me on this, the more I just don't see a precedent for what we know as the typical senior pastor, lead pastor model. Right. What I see is that in every church in the New Testament that's mentioned, there seems to be what I would call a plurality of eldership or people who are charged with the spiritual oversight of the church. Yes. And based on the particular spiritual giftings within that group of elders, there might be some, you know, some variants, some differences in terms of functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, Paul talks about that there, among the elders, there may be some who especially labor in preaching and teaching. Right. But yet all elders must be able or apt to teach. Yeah, and it's kind of a... I think that
0: kind of a redundant thing to call someone a teaching pastor but i see what you're saying they're they're kind of in that special role like you said all all elders should be able to teach um, yeah but
1: uh, and, and i and and what what tends to happen in a church is that the the pastor or elder or maybe there's more than one maybe there's two that um tend to do the bulk of the teaching on Sunday morning, those tend to be the ones who are thought of as the ultimate leaders. And that's just not the New Testament precedent is that there, you know, there should be a, um, a sense of leadership equality among the eldership with a recognition of individual giftedness, uh, where we might say, okay, this, this person and that person are going to be the ones who do the bulk of the preaching because that's, that's just how they're gifted the most. But all of us are charged with the spiritual oversight and the spiritual health of the church. And when, I, when Paul says apt to teach, I think what he's really referring to there is that every elder must be able to refute false doctrine and promote the true biblical teaching. Yeah. We, they must be able to tell the difference and they must be able to articulate the difference People and groups of people. It's, right. it's not just pedagogical competency, right? Like, there, there's some people that can get up in front of a crowd and they're charismatic and they're able to put words together, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're able to refute false doctrine and teach true doctrine.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, that, that's key. And then I think also a recognition of spiritual giftedness, which I think is the the supernatural edge that the holy spirit puts on communication yeah. of the tr- of the truth of the scriptures and so that's kind of what we're learning now is that we're not necessarily having to go look for people among us that could stand up 40 weeks a year on Sunday morning and teach right but they must be able to go that's not right yeah that that that's not biblical or this is biblical this this is where we land on the Trinity this is where we land on the doctrines of grace this is where we land on sanctification you know they're, they're able to, to, to say this is right and this is not and and they can communicate well that's the distinguishing mark really between elders and deacons those lists of qualifications right. in Scripture are identical except for that one thing, out to teach, right. um, which I think is what distinguishes the elder or the elders in the life of the church. Yeah, I think you're right.
0: I have cool. a question. Yes, sir.
1: So I would say to Robert, you know, um, you know we, we, I could boil it down to three things. What we, as we've started to look among our church, we haven't really named names yet. We're still developing the process Um, but I would say three things is he if he's looking to identify more elders in his church, um and and is I see three things in the two primary texts, uh first Timothy three and Titus one. Uh number one is desire. Paul talks about he who aspires to be an elder desires a noble task. So there must be a desire, a God given desire in a man, um to be an elder, to be one who provides spiritual oversight to the church so that's number one the second thing is Paul talks about being above reproach and I think all the qualifications that Paul lists for both deacon and elder fit under that one heading of above reproach when he talks about husband of one wife not given to much wine all of that is this should be a person that we look at and we go you know what they're not perfect you know, they're, they're not without um, their flaws and, you know, all of that stuff. But this is a person that people look to um, and respect and admire their, just their character, their nature, the way they govern their homes, all of those things. And I think every church has to flesh those things out, right? Like, you got to, as a church, you got to determine what husband of one wife means. Yeah. Does that mean that somebody that's been divorced is immediately disqualified and not considered at all, I think every church has to flesh that out right. um, it, as to what that means or, or not a spouse, given to what
0: or a spouse died. I've seen that scenario too where i mean it, yeah you know it, <laughs> his his spouse died and he remarried and and mm-hmm. some people rose raises raised a stink about that i mean they they mm-hmm. you know it was it was his second wife well, holy smoke. <laughs> is that what that means? Uh, you know, maybe, but you know, you got, How's the church? I don't to handle think it? that's what that means. Yeah, I don't, but I don't I think, think so either. But
1: I, I think the eldership that's already in place has got to be clear about what that means, and they've got to be able to articulate that, communicate that to the church. And there may be some that disagree because there are some gray areas. Not given to much wine. What does that mean?
0: Yeah, how much is much? Okay,
1: well they can have. Huh?
0: <laughs> how much is much?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean you gotta you gotta you gotta be able to to flesh those things out in your context based on the whole narrative of scripture. But I think the point is the heading is above reproach. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that, that there's almost a spiritual instinctiveness about that. And then the third thing, as I've already said, is able to teach. Right. Um and that 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 is to give instruction, as Paul says Titus one nine, give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. That's what I think "able to teach" means. And so, in a general sense, that's what you're looking for in an elder. And that's that's what we've we've kind of come to agreement on those things. And we're we're starting now to formulate a, a process to identify those kinds of people in our church. Cool.
0: Trevor. Trevor has a question.
1: Um, sure. So it goes back to. Um, say there's a a person at your church that meets all the qualifications um if they approached you about becoming an elder or is that like a church thing they approach they have to approach the person like what's the process as far as is it the church's responsibility only to find the elders or what if uh somebody approaches a church pastors and says i would love i want to contribute in this way i want to become an elder or is it just individual churches on how they handle that process? I, you know, I think every individual church is going to hand, handle that maybe somewhat differently. But we've actually talked about giving people in our congregation the opportunity to do exactly what Paul says, aspire to this. Now, they're going to have to meet the qualifications. And the sticky part about that, which is this is still what we're praying through, is well, what if someone aspires to it, but they don't meet the qualifications? Um, you know, that that's going to be hard. Um, but I don't think everything in the life of a church is supposed to be easy. Um, you know, the church is not meant to be a glass house where we can't get honest about the fact that you know what, we love you, you're a great person, you have gifts that can be used in this community to help build us all up in the faith, but your gifts don't point to this particular role. You know, and that doesn't mean you're less than because you know, in the body of Christ, we are all, you know, we're a kingdom of priests, we're a royal priesthood, right? You know, we all can go to Jesus. We can all access the scriptures and be led by the spirit in wisdom and understanding. But some in the church, not all, are called by God to be elders. And and I don't think Paul says it's a noble thing to aspire to that. Um, but I think those who are elders in the church have to be willing and have the courage to say you know yes you do meet the qualifications and we we'd love to consider you for this but or no you're not ready yet uh, or this right here this this particular giftedness is not present in you we don't see that I mean I've got I'll be honest with you I got a guy in my church right now that when and if we stand up and say hey if you are interested in I hate to use the term applying, but aspiring, we'll just use the biblical term. If you're if you're if you aspire to this to be an elder, once we've taught on it, we're gonna do a teaching series on what elders are, what what their role is in the church and all of that. And at the end of it we may invite the people to aspire to that. And and I know he's gonna he's gonna be one of the first ones to raise his hand. I know he's gonna be <laughs> signing up. And we're gonna have to tell him no because what Even though he's a great man and he loves Jesus, um, and he seems to lead an above reproach life, he is not able to instruct in sound doctrine or refute those who contradict it. It's just not there. The ability to articulate himself in that way, um, and I think uh, from just a general understanding of Scripture, it's just not there. Uh, but I know he's going to aspire to it, and I think we're just going to have to be willing to love him through that.
0: Yeah. Um, one one way I've seen that handled, and I'll just throw this out there as a as a possibility <coughs> of one way you might um, might bring it in and do with it what you will. I've I've seen in one particular congregation when they were looking for elders that once they they did the same teaching series, and at the end they ask the congregation for nominations. And, and the way they did the nominations was go to the person you want to nominate and ask them if they would be willing to serve in this role and then put their name in, however you, however you want to do that, collect those names and, and nominate that person. And mm-hmm. then you, you kind of have, and I, I don't want this to sound like it's kind of, you know, under the table kind of thing, but then you have a private list of names mm-hmm. that you now can go through and i think the way they handled things was the ones who got the most nominations were kind of at the they filtered to the top of the list mm-hmm. so you you could have a you know i don't know if you'll get more or less names in that way probably more um because if you just went to someone and said hey would you consider this role at that point they might they might be kind of taken off guard if they hadn't you know, if they if they're not expecting that, but if someone comes to them and say, "Hey, would you consider this?" Someone in the congregation says, "Oh, I," you know, I, they see it in me. Maybe the pastors that are here already do as well, and they might. You might get more names in the hat that way. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for you, but anyway, just a, a nomination process that kind of filters names to the beginning of things. I think you. I think it's really good because
1: you know. One of the conclusions we've come to is just that we want our congregation to be involved in this. Yeah. We want people to be able to to be a part and um, to be able to have input in this. And I think that's a great way to do it. Um, and and I think you know, honestly, what Keith and I, which I, I mentioned Keith, and I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but Keith is one is the other pastor here with me at Resurrection Church, and. One of the things we've been wrestling through is like, um, you know, Paul doesn't really give specifics about you know, give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict. Okay, that's that's clear, but you know, how how, how deep do you go with that? Because somebody might demonstrate a spiritual gift for teaching and 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 demonstrate some you know, spiritual, scriptural competency, but they there are some things they need to learn uh, and need to grow in, which I would say is true of me too. You know, I'm still sure, learning and sure. growing every week. And so, you know, I, I think there's there's a real dependency on the Holy Spirit here uh, for wisdom and discernment as you flesh these things out, these these qualifications that Paul gives. You've you really got to flesh those things out. And as you get nominations, I, I have a sense that, as we take nominations and as Keith and I nominate ourselves, there's going to be a lot of yeah, buts. You know, yeah, that person's great, yeah. but. And, and but, there needs but, to
0: be some of that. I mean, there needs to be the opportunity for that, yeah, right? Uh, that's exactly
1: right. Same and, same. and I think that when I look at my own life, there's some yeah, buts with me, too. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I think I'm gifted and qualified, um, but could I grow in my understanding in certain things? Absolutely, I could. Sure, I mean, sure. I'm, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, nothing wrong with it. Uh, what else? Oh, I did have one other question, and that was, sure. what. what is, I, I, you used a word uh, pedago- pedagogically or something. Pedagogical. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Can you spell it? Can you spell it, and what does it mean?
1: <laughs> uh, can I spell it? Maybe not, because I'm a horrible speller. Yeah, horrible speller. Too. But it, it's just basically the skill of being able to teach. Uh, it's right. it's being able to. Why didn't you just say that? Because <laughs> it sounds better. <laughs> I do right. that's you know I don't know. It just it, it, it's the you know think of it like um you, you know what it's like. I mean, Stan, you have this. You can get up in front of people and talk. And people want to listen. You know? You can talk about things that you know and people listen. You 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 have the ability to communicate well and and folks who listen will learn. And that's that's pedagogical competency. But I don't think that's all you have. I'm I think write, okay. you have a you have a spiritual gift that goes along with that.
0: Pedagogical? is that right?
1: Not to spell it. Ped- Hold on. Yeah. I think it's P E D A. Uh, We've got a teacher here, right? Yeah, Pedagogy. (laughs) Pedagogy. I hate that. (laughs) And our listener
0: count just went down to three.
1: (laughs) How about this one, Stan? How about this one? I don't know if you listened to this sermon yet, but one Sunday when I was talking about Romans 8 and Paul talks about creation groaning. Yes. I said, Paul is speaking anthropomorphically. I did hear that,
0: and I wanted you <laughs> did to you spe- hear that.
1: I wanted you to spell that one too. <laughs> did you watch the video or did you listen to the podcast? I
0: didn't. No, Pam watches the video. I will just listen because I'm using. Okay, driving. so on the
1: video, you'll see when I said that word, I kind of paused and grinned, and then I patted myself <laughs> on the back. <laughs> the church laughed uh, because you know it, it was just. I wasn't trying to just use a big word, but that's what Paul's doing. He's describing human characteristics to. Non-human things like right. creation, and right. that's what that word
0: means. <laughs> Always <laughs> an education with Pastor Bradley. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I think that's well. That's all the episodes we've got to cover, so we we had better stop there. We, <laughs> we, I don't think we we are prophetic enough to cover future episodes. Uh, so thanks, uh, Bradley, for for being with us again. We really appreciate it. Uh, so next week we're going to have another look at small groups. We're having another small group come in, and we'll we'll talk to them about about what it's done in their lives. And it's actually a couples group, so that'll be interesting. Awesome. So uh, uh, thanks for listening, and remember get your questions in to askatallsevendays seven days.com. You can also uh, text or voicemail to eight six four six six zero nine four seven three. Let others, let others know about the podcast. And support us at all 7 shop or slash donate. We really appreciate the help as we look to uh, grow this ministry and to do other things. This is the All 7 Days podcast where the goal is to make you think so highly of God that you forget about yourself. Now go give someone what you value most today.